Hey, George Cedarquist here, host of Opera Box Score. All right, I know you want to get to the podcast, so I'm going to keep this short. Opera Box Score needs your donation to retain its title as America's talk radio show about opera. You can give on our website, operaboxscore.com slash donate. When you throw even 10 bucks our way, it helps us promote the show to more listeners. Just 20 bucks helps cover our website costs. Chip in 50 bucks and we can pay to wax Tobias's back. But for real, please consider a donation of any amount to help us continue to bring you our hot takes on everything opera-related. Operaboxscore.com slash donate. Enjoy the podcast. Live from Chicago, you're listening to Opera Box Score. Uh, Let's get ready to rumble! Hey, wherever you are, however you're listening... Welcome to America's Talk radio show about opera, period. I'm your host, George Cedarquist, joined this week by Oliver Camacho and Tobias Wright. We are live on WNUR-FM Evanston, Chicago. So you can be one of our listeners that gets to have their say on the air. 847-866-WNUR is the number in studio. We're also streaming live on WNUR.org slash pop-up. Again, call us, 847-866-9687. All right, tonight we update you on all the news from the orgiastic bacchanal that is the Opera America Conference, which took place in Dallas this past weekend. Check out our link to the conference events through our website, operaboxscore.com. But first, it's been a busy week at the Metropolitan Opera Last night, the company's gala celebrated being at Lincoln Center for 50 years, but was the move worthwhile? Plus, uh, Instagram post of Today Show host Al Roker asleep in the audience at a recent Met performance of Strauss's Der Rosenkavalier is also doing the rounds. More on that in a few minutes. And, of course, get all your opera headlines, our hot takes on them in the two-minute drill. Got a great show for you tonight. A lot of these Met stories came in over the weekend, so you're going to get some super hot, fresh takes. It's so hot. It's like still steaming. So hot. <laughs> that would be Oliver Camacho. <laughs> we laid you a fresh show, everybody. <laughs> oh, no. You know, you know what's also hot besides uh, sports in general? Not the weather. No. Um, sports, 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 sports. No. Um, the reviews for Chicago Fringe Opera Lucrezia. Yeah, boy, here we go. Oh, yeah. No, seriously. Um, Ashley Armstrong is uh, getting great reviews from both the Chicago Classical Review, Larry Johnson, and Chicago Tribune, reputable John Van, Van Rijn. Mm-hmm. So good on her. And Well, what, she is hot. It's it's not untrue. What did they say about you, Toby, that you're a strong that you're a strong tenor? <laughs> they, said, they, said, <laughs> they said I'm a strong tenor, and then they said Mathen is also good. no but the reviews they've all been really great actually and they've really Mm -hmm. um hopefully you know they'll inspire people to be excited about the show and buy whatever remaining tickets are left we have three shows left with chicago fringe opera it's been a lot of fun um and there's been so much synergy with other things happening like with mark campbell being part of the uh, opera america conference that we're going to talk about soon Mm -hmm. and mark campbell being a guest on mathen's uh, podcast. Doing so the you, work with Math and If Black you want to enrich in your experience at Chicago French Opera Lucrezia, you can listen to Doing the Work, the most recent episode with Mark Campbell, who's a pretty uh, interesting guy. And he was at your talk back, right? Like you, or you had like he a. Was, after... He was at the show on on opening. Did he actually yeah. shake hands and kiss babies while after the show? Pretty much. I yeah, mean, he did. He was very personal, right, Toby? Yeah. He really just kind of hung because he out says with... on Mathen's podcast, all he wants to do is just go home. <laughs> like after the show, he wants to go back to his hotel room because he's he, tired. He, he was very hung out. Yeah. yeah, he was very. Yeah, he hung out. I mean, almost the entire. Was there time a speech, we or was there something? That he just... You know, there was no speech. It was just okay. people celebrating what had happened. Which was seeing your nipples and your back ah, hair. Ah, free yeah. the nipple! <laughs> I did a lot of push-ups to share that back hair. You know, with I the actually people. heard. So here's uh, inside inside baseball on Toby yeah. Wright. Um, Wait, I have, you haven't shared this with me. So I, I know, know I know. I have oh, a church. No. I have a church job with this guy named Michael Austin, who's actually a very good baritone who doesn't sing like okay. professionally, but he could. Tall guy's like six. He's gorgeous like 200 something pounds six seven <laughs> like just a big slab of beef and like just so firm so so firm <laughs> touch. yeah get on with and, the story <laughs> and he told me like out of me without me prompting him or him knowing that i knew you mm-hmm. that he's oh, i have this friend who's like in a show like you know and i gave him this diet you know and like wait a second what show are you talking about and he said no oh, it's like chicago fringe like it's like 
Toby Wright? <laughs> so I know what you've been eating. I I have, you, you have like an eight-hour window. Did you, do you? Are you out of the window right now? I'm out of the window. I, there will be no more food for me. Are you season. starving right now? No, I'm very... I, see, it's awesome. He just set me on the right... Man, it worked. I, so the, <laughs> the story is, if you want to lose a lot of weight, you give yourself an eight-hour window. You eat like a high... It's intermittent intermittent fasting and and so it's high protein high fat and no carbs <laughs> yeah but, it's not forever i can't wait to eat cake after it's we like close this darn show <laughs> but it's like every day is ramadan for you you know <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah oh my no. gosh all right look we've been talking some opera but we better talk some more opera. <laughs> chalk talk on opera box score it's Opera Boxcore on WNUR FM. George Cedarquist here with Oliver Camacho and Tobias Wright. I'm still laughing about the Ramadan. Ramadan. Shamalama ding dong. Hey, that's a real thing. Like more people in this world celebrate Ramadan than I, celebrate yeah, I, you know. Christmas. Yeah. Uh, a lot of news coming out of the Metropolitan Opera this past week. Last it's night, it's not really news. This is like fluff pieces, but it's good. It's good. They're good stories. It's, yeah, it's true. It's yeah. true. They're good stories. It is kind of fluffy. So, where to begin? The Met celebrated Wait, fifty years. I don't know anything that's fluffy about celebrating a fifty-year anniversary oh, in yeah. an opera house. But with that's the not mo- that's with, not news. You with know? the most, Im- I, I think yeah. having a five-hour uh, concert is news. Yes, that that part of it is newsy. Yeah. So what it was was a gala. <laughs> Celebrating the company's move to Lincoln Center in 1966, the 50th anniversary of that. And it was star-studded. Dmitry Vorostovsky, I'm going to blow the surprise right away. This is, you're showing all of our cards here. I know. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'll live to regret it. Um, <laughs> now we have no more show after we... That's, that's really it. That's it's the over. Story. That's the scoop. No, that's not true. Keep going. Well, it's the, good. The, There's lots of stuff. As you may know, he is suffering from a brain tumor that was diagnosed in June of 2015. It's been causing balance issues. It's kept him off the stage. And I... He's been canceling left and right. As we hear, he's always on a disabled exactly. list for us, you know. And apparently no one at the Met told anyone that he was going to be part of the show. I mean, well, Oliver sure. is the conspiracy theorist, so he you would argue, Oliver... No, I would not Peter, argue that, 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 that he Gelb, made up the cancer. <laughs> no, that Peter Gelb specifically didn't tell anybody that he was going to make a surprise oh. appearance. Yeah, well, the orchestra had to know. It's not like they, like, memorized the aria that he was going to sing, you know? I don't I know. If you're playing that. for the Met Orchestra, you probably know that aria. Yeah. But it wasn't leaked, you know? Yeah, that was like good. That. It was a good a good thing to keep secret. He sang uh, Corti- Cortigiani, yeah. which is Rigoletto's famous aria from mm-hmm. the third, third act. Yeah, third act. Yeah. Uh, it's an amazing aria. It's like a true tour de force. Like, it starts off like super angry and lots of declamatory phrases. Then you have like this, all of a sudden he goes more lyrical and like begging. And then it's heartbreaking. And while this is, this aria is happening, Jilda is literally being raped in the background, Mm -hmm. literally. And like the orchestra is like pounding and it's like, Oh my God, you hear it. It's horrible. Is this the clip you sent me? Yeah. We're going to hear, um, this is the performance from yesterday. Um, we're going to hear just the, you know, the last couple pages of the aria and you know Dima we love him I mean like he's he sounds like a guy who's having a hard time and you can watch the video it's on the New York Times website that's where I got this from and you know he's not what we expect him to sound like but it's amazing that he came out and he did this and the audience went crazy like there's a more applause on either end of this video than there's actually aria being sung you know but let's just hear the end of Cortigiani Signore, io tra signore. 
Yeah, it's definitely not an easy sing, but it was so impressive. It's not an easy sing, but yeah. and you can tell. I mean, it's not. Yeah. He's fifty-four. He has yeah. a brain tumor. Right? Yeah, and it's still beautiful. Yeah, no, and he still sings it with line and conviction. And you know, it's interesting if you watch the video, though. Whew, you can tell like he's been yeah. through a hell of a lot. Yeah, it's, you know, it's fighting, tough. Fighting it's tough to watch it. Like you're just cheering yeah. him on the whole time. Yeah. You know, absolutely. So. You yeah. The rest of the lineup, I mean, of course, was very impressive. Placido Domingo, Renee Fleming. Anna Netrebko, Angela Mead, Sonia Yoncheva, Joseph Kaleha, who am I missing here? Oh, Alina Garancha, yeah. David Daniel, Stephanie Blythe. Yeah, Preti Yende came out saying Matthew Ponzani sang a duet with Susan Graham. Uh, Stephanie Blythe sang a Handel duet from Julius Caesar with uh, David Daniels. Joyce DiDonato previewed Samiramide. Anna Netrebko sang Lady Macbeth and previewed um, Butterfly. Umbeldi. No, no, she didn't sing. She sang Umbeldi, yeah. Yeah. She uh, did, yeah. Somebody sang Tosca. Oh, that Christine Opole sang Tosca. Ugh. Um, <laughs> and, then, and then three different <laughs> Tell me conductors. how you feel. Tell me how you feel. Oh, yeah. Eric, Eric Owens came out and sang um, Porgy and Bess with Pretiende. So. I mean, this event was five hours long. Yeah. I love it. That sounds... I like galas. Long yeah. to me. I like galas oh, really? though. I'm I'm with you, Oliver. Yeah. If it's a gala, it doesn't feel yeah. as long. Although five hours is long for it anything. T- yeah. Ten years per hour. There was a gala in 1983, which probably got me hooked into opera. Hmm. Um, I was it was a Met hundredth centennial. Okay, I guess that's redundant. Um, but it was a day long gala, and it was on PBS, and I watched it as an whatever eight year old, hmm. hmm. and uh, yeah, it was like listening to Ava Martone singing Inquesta Regia and. You know, Joan Sutherland singing Bel Raggio and Lansing Price singing the duet from Ball and Mosca with Pavarotti. Not that I knew what those things were when I was eight years old, but, you know, there's clips of it. I was like, wow, I remember that, you know. Yeah. And it was long. It was longer than five hours. So we need more. We need to, like, t- teach people, like, sit down. Just relax. relax. Like, it's, yeah, okay fu- to, it's okay to not look at your phone for five minutes. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, no, we can talk about that some other time. Listen day, to some singing. It's Opera Box Score on WNUR. We're talking about the Metropolitan Opera Gala last night, celebrating their 50th anniversary. Is that how you pronounce it, Gala? Center. Well, we've argued about that yeah. before. Gala Gala? Huge what do you say, George? lineup of yeah. singers, three conductors, Yannick Nezé-Seguin, along with Marco Emiliato and even James Levine. Who yep. rose from the pit. On, yeah. <laughs> did you and read his that mechanized review? chair? Yeah, the AP yeah. review said yeah, it. it he crazy. rose like Yoda from the uh, pit. Well, that's stupid that they mentioned that because that that thing has been installed for years now. That's I not know. New, yeah. I know. I just thought it was funny yeah. that they called him Yoda. Oh, okay. Well, he's sort of. He's Yoda-like, nothing yeah. like Yoda. Yoda is small and green. James Levine <laughs> is enormous and Chewbacca. he's not enormous. He's tiny. No, he's not. Yeah, he's just tiny. He's a little guy. Dude, he's like he's like Danny DeVito. If you have a fro like that. It makes you appear bigger than you are. Trust you me. have a friend. I was like going to say George. Yeah, George yeah. speaks from experience. Trust yeah. but he's not—he's not a big guy like, you know, uh, who's a big guy? Uh, Pavarotti. Yeah, I was going to say like Dom. I don't know why Dom DeLuise came to my head. Like, out of all people, <laughs> like that shows how old I am. You know, like yeah. Who's no, a, I, I got you. Who's I a big guy you. these days? I got you. You mean this, is, oh, this is another chalk talk? Yeah, like yeah. who's just like girthy and like known to be uh, Ben Hepner? Uh, how about that? You yeah. know, yeah. But I'm like even in popular culture. Who is our big guy? The but, Rock. No, he's stacked. No, he's, he's also a huge well, human. John, yeah, but uh, John Goodman. But he, there you go, John yeah. Goodman. But he's slimmed down. Yeah. What about? Uh, Are there no guy? big that guy that plays the, the mall cop? That terrible uh, Kevin James. Kevin James. Yeah, he's kind of big, he's, right? He's a big dude. No, but he's not like like big hands, like hammy hammy thighs, well, and like Jim no Belushi neck. was big too. Right? This is Again, all showing your age, like you know, like if we were to say to our you know twenty-five-year-old audience, you know, big like this guy, you know, Chris Farley, he's dead for but years, he's still big, but he's not. No, people don't know who he is. No. Like, what? Like an eighteen-year-old's going to somebody needs Farley's? to call us and tell us that they know who Chris Farley is because <laughs> an he was an integral part like, of my childhood. Oh, and well. if you know who Chris Farley is, you understand who I am. <laughs> <laughs> One follow-up Sorry. Uh, article Sorry, on the. Metropolitan Opera. There's many gala. things about Metropolitan. Oh, about the gala. Okay. This is specifically okay. about the gala, and this is an okay. article in the New York Times, actually, which asked, "Is the Metropolitan Opera house simply too big?" That was something that the Met gained when it moved to Lincoln Center. Mm-hmm. Bust out just a couple quick stats: is that in the 1516 season, sales averaged 
around 2,900 seats a show, Mm -hmm. which is 700 seats more than the capacity of the Royal Opera House. So the number of seats sold is higher, but that still means that the Met was not sold out. Should the Met be smaller, Oliver? Well, you can't change the size of the theater. I think the only thing you can propose is doing stuff off-site. And there are some suggestions in this article about maybe doing more concerts, more, you know, scenes and, um, you know, showcasing star singers, blah. Um, but that's not going to solve the problem. Is, is is the Met too big? Maybe just make the runs of shows shorter so the ticket demand is I higher, actually, you know? I, I think that would be... I don't know. You can't really move out of the Met, you know, but they built it so at a time. And that article is particularly interesting, too, because it says at the time size was an asset. Um, yeah. And I don't I mean, it's you know, nobody could predict the the <laughs> the invention of the Internet and yeah. broadcasting um, and what that would do for ticket sales. But I mean, this I is a problem you, because like in sports, if if the stadium, you know, the stadium's not selling out routinely. Uh, teams will just put like huge tarps over. Well, they'll do that. The and what they, the so what teams have to do though, and, and this ha- this is a huge problem in college football. Actually, teams like Alabama, who have a hundred thousand seat stadiums, aren't selling out because mm. students don't go to the game because it's not as entertaining as watching it on television. Mm. And same with the broadcast too at the Met. Um, and so yeah, you have to make a way that's going to draw people in, other than the reason they're coming, which I think, in and of itself, is a, a unique challenge. Not. That's, and, and as a singer, I feel like that's a little disappointing, to be honest with you, because I think the draw should be the music, the singers, the art. It shouldn't be, how else can we entertain you in these five hours that's going to make you want to still come? And that's how you, you know what I'm saying? It has to be more of an I, event for I, people to want to come. I do, but I mean, I think that is what people want now, is they want to have an experience. They don't just want to go see the opera. They want exactly. to have that, that full experience. And I've said this before, this is one of the problems with the lyric, is that like, you go see a show, maybe it's good or not, I'm not going to speak to that right now, but there's nowhere at Lyric where you can just have that experience before Yeah, or yeah. After. we've talked about this, yeah. So maybe what another solution to be would to take, take out some chairs and put in little cafe tables and give, more, you know, and give some seats more of like, uh, not a pub, but like, you know, no, like, you're, the, yeah, you're like a dinner, you're dinner a theater. Yeah, evening, yeah. Dinner theater. Oh, I thought yeah. you were talking about like leg room. No, <laughs> like first class business. But I, I no. do agree with short, shortening runs. Yeah. I mean, there's no, I don't know. I mean, the runs at the Met, plus they're doing so many productions as Couldn't well. Couldn't you just close like the uppermost balcony? You put a tarp over it. <laughs> <laughs> you could. A very nice tarp. Yeah. You know, and the lyric does that when they're, when they're trying to do cost control for when they have the musicals because they have, you know, eight oh, shows really? a week. Yeah, absolutely. So they won't sell tickets in the upper balcony mm-hmm. for a lot of their shows. So the house seems completely full. But aren't the overheads the same, though? Like, the stagehands still get paid whether the upper balcony is covered or not. Yeah, but... The rights cost the same. Well, actually, ticket prices Ticket, price, ticket prices go up when there are less seats available. Okay. I don't know. I don't know how any of that stuff works. <laughs> <laughs> I was a singer. Yeah. Well, I can't last, even count to four. Lastly uh. was this uh, storm that was whipped up over Al Roker, the uh, host of the Today yeah, Show. You made a storm... So, I, I, joke yeah, he's a I said man. he was on, this is on Instagram. It was actually on Twitter, <laughs> I, need a nap. I think. So he took a, who took this photo, by the way? His he's wife. asleep. Okay, yeah. his wife took the photo. I feel like I'm screaming. And then he tweeted it out. And he says, and it's him, it's him. I've sat in those red seats. And, he's, and he says, okay, so I napped a little last night during intermission at, at Met Opera performance of hashtag Der Rosenkavalier, which he spelled correctly. He says, and first act, in the, in the first act. Okay, and in the second act. I mean, what, why? What was the guy thinking? I mean, it was a joke, obviously. I mean, he meant it lightheartedly. And you know what? People fall asleep at, at events. Um, I don't, I mean, let's be honest. Have you ever fallen asleep during a performance, George or Oliver? Yes. I fall yes, asleep I at performances I really want to be at, too. Like, I was so excited to be there, and I planned, and I know the show, I know the singers, and I get in that seat, and the lights go off, and I've had a really long day, and it just takes like five minutes. I'm like knocked out. You it's know? so funny. You know, I could like pinch myself. To at opening away. night, I didn't even tell you this, Toby. At opening night for Lucrezia, Mark Campbell took me aside, and he's like, make sure it's freezing in the theater. I was like, uh, all right, Mark, you, you got it, man. He's like, because they won't laugh if it's not freezing cold. I thought Wait. that was genius. What is that true? Yeah, because if it's too warm, everyone goes to sleep. 
If it's freezing, oh uh, yeah, like, stand. If away. it's freezing cold, my nipples will be hard. Wait, what? What? Um, okay, so anyway, so we all admit <laughs> to have, um, at one point in time, we've fallen asleep at a performance, it's right? True. So there's no outrage there. The outrage comes from, <laughs> the outrage comes from people who think it's a big deal that he tweeted it because it makes opera look boring, right? Um, and the and you know we talk about why don't people go to opera? Well, here's a. Boom. Here's a major... Ah, is he a major celebrity? Lots of people know who Al Roker is. But here's yeah. a celebrity who was like, I went to opera and fell asleep during the entire thing. The entire thing. Uh, it, and it's during the intermissions. Uh, you know, just be careful. I mean, the photo is clearly during an intermission. But it does... Definitely. Be, if he was asleep during intermission when the lights were all on, the guy was definitely asleep when it was all dark. <laughs> he, was, he was tired. So... I don't know. For me, I'm like, you know what? He bought the tickets. He's there. He's still saying that he was at the opera. He fell asleep. It's not a big deal. But to some singers, they really, they were up in arms. And I kind of, I understand that side of it too, because how often does opera even get to be talked about in the media? And then we have to talk about it this, and it's a negative. Well, maybe there's no such thing as bad press. I think so. I think you're right on that. And I think that it's good that A, that he was at the opera in the first place, you know? Mm -hmm. B, that people now know that Dare Rosenkavlier Rosen is a thing. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it also gives people a little bit of permission. It's like, okay, well, Al Roker could fall asleep, and like, <laughs> he's like a famous <laughs> weatherman. <you know? laughs> he's way more sophisticated than I am. You know? I, Nobody's ever said that Al Roker has, is like, you know, the pinnacle of culture. You know? like, he's the one that started, right? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, exactly. Can you define sharp? For <laughs> I us can. On here? <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, like, big, I mean, I think it's that's no big deal. Like, I, it's okay. It's I okay. Think, Al. I think it's okay. Too. Hey, yeah. let us know what you're thinking. Yeah. Thanks for going to the opera, Al. Like, yeah. The opera. Let's tag Al. Opera box score is the hashtag. Excuse me. The handle. Coming up next, more chalk talk. All the insider info you could wish for from this year's Opera America conference. Keep it right here. Opera box score and WNUR. 89.3 FM. Live from Chicago, you're listening to Opera Box Score. More right after this. of candidates for statewide office report spending at least one out of every four of their waking hours raising money for their campaigns. 23% report spending more than half their time raising money. Public Campaign is a nonprofit, nonpartisan organization dedicated to sweeping reform that aims to dramatically reduce the role of special interest money in America's elections and the influence of big contributors in American politics. To learn more, visit www.publiccampaign.org. That's P U B L I C A M P A I G N. This message brought to you by WNUR. Rainbow House is a Chicago-based organization providing domestic violence intervention and prevention services to Chicago-area residents. Its five programs include a 24-hour crisis line, residential services, children's program, community resource services, and domestic violence prevention and education program. Rainbow House has sites in the Lawndale, Little Village, and Morgan Park areas of Chicago. For more information, go to www.rainbowhouse.org. That's rainbow-house.org. This message brought to you by WNUR. Come on, smile. Oh, honey, he's still not smiling. Maybe he's not a smiler. Yeah, maybe he's just not a happy baby. Maybe he's just being a boy. Or maybe he's teething. Maybe it's just a phase. Maybe he has autism, and we can definitely do something to help. Maybe is all you need to find out more about autism. No big, joyful smiles by six months is one early sign. Learn the others at AutismSpeaks.org signs. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Live from Chicago, you're listening to Opera Box Score with George Cedarquest. Tobias Wright, Dan Oliver, the man, Camacho. <laughs> That's who he is. <laughs> yeah, George Cedarquist here. The man. Top of box score. Hey, thanks for hanging out with us. 847-866-WNUR is the number in studio. 
We're going to be talking about the Opera America Conference in the second segment on the show. I'm with Oliver Camacho and Tobias Wright. You are, in fact. Opera America is the nation's umbrella organization for opera. It hosts an annual conference this year. It was in Dallas, Texas, and the co-hosts Dallas Opera and Fort Worth Opera with the theme Creating Collaborative Change. In the literature for the conference, it says, Across the country, artists and producers collaborate to bring compelling stories to life through music and theater. This instinct for cooperation positions opera to be a leader as the arts seek new ways to strengthen communities. Now, I think you could say that about a lot of things, probably. I've been to the Opera America conference back in 2013 when I was part of the director-designer competition, which we'll talk about in this segment as well. But I want to start by talking about these co-hosts, Dallas and Fort Worth. Now, Darren K. Woods, general director of Fort Worth Opera, recently removed Yeah, I'm sure when they, when they planned this conference, he was still going to be there. So, so I mean, yeah. awkward, right? Yeah, but I think everything with Darren Woods these days is going to be awkward for a while, you know? Mm-hmm. The keynote address was given by a panel of people, Mark Campbell, the librettist, Jake Heggie, the composer, Gene Shear, the librettist that worked with Heggie on Moby Dick, Timothy O'Leary, who's the general director at Opera Theater of St. Louis that's nice going to be guy. hosting the conference in 2018. Oh, do you know him? Well, I've had, when I was trying to become an impresario, I had lunch with him. I mean, hey, he gave you some of his time. That's pretty nice. Yeah, he did, but he didn't give me a job, so. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, Nicole Paymont, the conductor, Yuval Sharon, who is a director and the artistic director of the Industry Theater Company, excuse me, Opera Company in Los Angeles, and Mark Skorka, who is the president and CEO of Opera America. You can get all the archived conference streams through their website, and the link is on our website really? as well. They made like videos of these? There's videos of them all. Wow. And I'm going to be honest right now and just say that I have not watched oh all God, of them. This website is so clunky. All I can't the way through. Anything. The, the website's not great. It's, yeah. not, it's not great. So, um, some of the things, that, I know you started talking about this, but the 2017 learning themes are these. One, yeah. leadership by experimentation and learning. What do we think that means? Leadership by experimentation and learning. learning. Yeah. Right. What? Uh, what could that mean? I, I'm not quite sure. You got. You have yeah. to go. You have, have to, to go Experiment. boldly yeah. and daringly to where the people have yeah. not gone before. Okay. The next theme is diversity. Right? Is that what that means? Probably. The next theme is <laughs> diversity, equity, and inclusion in opera. Okay, more brown people, which I'm all for. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the third theme: effective partnerships and collaborations. And probably that's why we had lots of librettists up there with the composers to talk about those things. Right. And. Um, Fourth, uh, connecting traditional works and new operas to today's audience. I'm not sure if traditional works mean like like standard canon opera or if it means like also cultural traditional works, you know, like maybe like, like for example, Mark Morris Dance Group is doing Lila and Majnoon as their show or they've, they've already done it, you know, and it's like an old, you know, Middle Eastern story or like Romeo and Juliet type of thing and they choreographed it and they made music and stuff like that. So are we talking about that or are we talking about like Marriage of Figaro? Are, you we, know? are so, we talking about traditional works done in non-traditional ways? Yeah. High concept, immersive. So another thing that's really cool about them being in Dallas is that they got to um, use Dallas Opera to do like mini presentations or to do shows for the conference. And they put on four operas for the conference the first was Arjuna's Dilemma. Experience an exotic and appealing soundscape that combines elements of both the East and the West in this visually enhanced concert of Douglas Cuomo's critically acclaimed opera about life's biggest questions based on the ancient text of the Bhagavad Gita. That opera has not had a huge presence in this country. I have listened to it. It is yeah. quite unique. It's got a super ethnic cast. And the other piece was Voidir. No. No, then they did Everest. That was, so that was the the Thursday presentation. Then um, Friday they did Everest by um, what's this guy's name? Uh, Job Joby Talbot and Jean Sher, uh, and that starred um, Michael Mays and other oh, people, cool. uh, conducted by Emmanuel Viom. Wow. That, then on Saturday they did the Magic Piano, uh, which is was an animated feature. It's a Chopin. Thing. I'm so confused what it was, but it seems like a children's opera. 
Okay, but it was an animation. It was a cartoon. Yeah, probably. Yeah. And then finally, they presented Norma on Sunday with Elsa Vandenheber, which and Christian Van Horn and Young Hoon Lee, and that's awesome. And those were all at Dallas Opera. Yeah. So, so that, that those are scheduled so that yeah. the participants in the conference can go and see the work that that right, opera house right. is doing. So, but like in a little festival, you know, uh, a little festival schedule. You know? Exactly. So what was happening at Fort Worth? Well, Fort Worth then was also timed it so that their new opera called Voir, Voir right. Dire. That's the one that uh, Darren Woods commissioned or like you exactly. know, organized. Yeah, and so. he, wasn't, he wasn't there to, Oops, yeah. to be around for it. Uh, the keynote address, one thing that I picked up from it was this, and this is Mark Campbell's comment. He kind of went out on a limb, and he basically said that there should be a company solely dedicated to producing only American composers. Hmm. And the way he said it is that it, it felt like kind of a, a big idea, like a big scary idea. But the more I thought about it, he put it in the context of New York City Opera. He was mm-hmm. like, if New York City Opera, the old New York City Opera was still around, this is what their mission statement would be. And then it got me thinking like, well, is there not a company in this country that that is their mission statement, to only produce American composers? Has Chicago Fringe Opera already ruined that? Yeah, you guys did Britain. We, Britain. We've, already, yeah. we've already ruined it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I got to thinking, and now I'm totally undecided. I mean, it sounds like it's a really easy thing to do, but yet I cannot think of an example of a company that has mm-hmm. only done that. Well, we don't know all the companies out there and what, what they're doing. And Yeah, but I feel like something of that specificity I would have heard about. Probably. Oh, yeah, I'm sure you would have. Mark was, um, <laughs> he was not nervous. He was just, he went out on a limb to, uh-huh. to, to say this thing. Uh, he thought it might be sort of too exclusive, but it actually Where would that like, company be? Uh, it could be anywhere. It could be anywhere. I mean, Chicago, New York, or L.A., probably. Hmm. Uh, you know, And like you think in, about... In a big city. I, it's not like it would really limit your, I mean, yes, it yeah, would that's limit... Tons of it's work. tons yeah, of yeah. repertoire. Yeah, yeah. And it could be very ethnically in- inclusive as well. You know, we talked about that. Yeah. It's not like just doing American opera just means only white people. I mean, the I, one I, I guess what I'm saying is it doesn't sound like even something. It would be challenging, obviously, because you're limiting some of your repertoire. But I don't know. I mean, what you're There's really doing is you're limiting the repertoire by the date of composition. Obviously, this right. is a young country. It's only around 250 years old. I mean, what's the earliest American opera you I was, can think of? Goodness. Um, like Tremonisha or like, you know. Um, John Philip Sousa did compose a couple operas. That's Tremonisha and, and, or that's Joplin. Thank you. Yeah, okay. Yes. But Sousa, yeah, you're right. And the, but Gershwin's Porgy and Bess. Porgy and Bess. Yeah. yeah. So these are all sort yeah. of. But there's probably stuff earlier than that that's that I'm not thinking about, you know. What? Uh, Trouble in TV. Not really. Oh, let's uh, let's say no. that those aren't American operas. Come on, no, those no, are no, no, the, no. that is what the American they weren't written. Is. They weren't written for the opera house, though. Trouble Tahiti, maybe, but not not West Side Story. I think. Okay, fine. We'll talk about that another time. <laughs> <laughs> Take off your shirt. Another vessel. <laughs> it stays on. <laughs> it's Opera Box Score on WNUR. We're talking about the Opera America. Conference. So when you went to the Opera America conference, when was that? So I went in 2013 in yeah. Vancouver. It was I, the first time Opera America conference was not in the lower 48 states. <laughs> so what was interesting? Was it like? Lots of uh, late night hookups and stuff like that, or like that's not really my scene. Although there is that, and I I will tell you this, Oliver, there is a opening night party. So the conference Mm -hmm. it starts on a Wednesday, which is just for the general, like the high level general directors. Yeah, yeah. Thursday is the first official day, and Thursday night is the welcome party. And it's fun. I mean, you're, you're seeing all the administrators that you know, and it's a fun thing. And everyone, yes, you're smoozing and networking and that sort of thing. To the point where one of my friends said, I go to Opera America every year. I fly in on Thursday night. Mm-hmm. I go to the party. I stay up all night partying, and I fly out Friday morning. Mm-hmm. And he, it's a he, he does his entire pitch sessions for the year, work in the crowd, networking, at this literally in this 12 hour space of time and he Amazing. doesn't go to he doesn't go to any of the panel discussions yeah, yeah. or any of the like presentations or yeah, anything yeah he doesn't like wear that. a lanyard yeah 
definitely does not want yeah. a lanyard. Yeah. Now the but part, that's where you hide your coke if you're going to do something like well, the, that. The, and like, if you're going to stay up all night long and network with everybody, you need someplace to put your cocaine. Now, so. That's funny. But there's there's lots of other parties, though, that, that surround the Opera America Conference. There's certainly always a specifically gay party. Hmm. So when is this again? Can anyone oh, attend? Oh, okay. uh, well, everybody wants to go because it's okay. the most fun one. That's, of course. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of what I was thinking. <laughs> and then this year, just looking at a rundown, there was also <clears throat> what they called the Under 35 Mixer, mm. which apparently had around 40 people attend yeah. to it. If you were there, by the way, I would love to see a tweet from that, at Opera Voxcore. The Under 35 Mixer? Yeah. Well, that did make me feel a do little bit Do you even look at the twi- our Twitter feed? How would you know? I do, dude. I was on it, th- I was on it this oh, okay, evening. Okay, cool. I was sad, though, to know that I would not be able to go to the under-35 mixer. Well, do they check IDs? Like, do they discriminate against people who are not? (laughs) Oh, probably This makes me want to go to the Opera America conference, though. Dude, Toby, you would fit in perfectly. I would love it. There's actually, there's very few singers that go. It's really mostly administrators. Well, I'm looking at, like, all the lists of speakers and attendees, and, yeah, there aren't a lot of... uh, but every other year, they have a director-designer competition. So Opera America publishes a list, a short list of operas. Director-designer teams from around the country put together concepts, submit them, and the winners, two, three, four teams, get flown out to the conference. They present their ideas to industry professionals. Like Shark Tank or something like that. Mm. Yeah. I mean, when I went there in 2013, I presented a concept for Silent Night, mm-hmm. the opera by Kevin Putz and Mark, Mark Campbell. Campbell. Yeah. And I had a pretty high concept approach to it. Mm-hmm. And it, I had a great time. Cut in the first round. No, it's, okay. it's not. a. I mean, once you, if you're there, you're a winner. Okay. What you really get is you're, you're given a mentor by Opera America who helps mm-hmm. you put together your presentation. Okay. And I just got really lucky. My mentor was David Devan, general director at Opera Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. I became a lifelong friend of his. I became a lifelong friend of Mark Campbell's literally through the Opera America thing. And now I have this production of a Pulitzer Prize winning opera that I'm still shopping around Yeah, four that's... years later and I'm very close, maybe. And how much would your production cost to put up? Probably cost about a billion dollars. <laughs> <laughs> but that's it. Yeah. Just yeah, a bill? Exactly. Now, I, I You know how to... like in certain industries, like when you hear about, you know... Um, any other industry besides the arts, right. like how travel is like a $6 billion industry or yeah. like almond milk is like a $3 million. So there's always like some way of like trying to ap- appeal to business owners, like get into this industry, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wonder what that campaign is like for get into the opera street, like at Opera America. Like it is a multi-thousand dollar <laughs> industry. Like it, oh have huge, gosh. have a huge career in it opera. Literally yeah. tens of dollars. George, yes, is that exactly. something that you, that when you make a presentation like that, do you have to come up with a budget or do you, uh, do you no, act it, within a, a constraint? No, you don't need to come up with a budget. You need to have thought through, like, technically how the thing is going to work, like how everything is going to get on and off Mm -hmm. stage. And you design for this competition. You design with a specific space in mind. Looking at some of these other teams, uh, one winner was Ashley Tata is the director with her team for an opera called Glory Denied. The other two winners, Shannon Knox and Luke Harlan, these were both for Flying Dutchman by Wagner. And this is a new change to the competition, which, again, I support entirely, is that they it used to be all American opera was on the shortlist. And now it's branched out to standard repertoire. Hmm. I need to go back and actually watch that live feed archive and see what these... What and these do they have to like do like, like a PowerPoint to like the entire conference? Do a PowerPoint, like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you practice it and you do a yeah. PowerPoint. And it's just really good practice on how to articulate your ideas and... And meet people, and maybe something comes of it, and maybe something doesn't, you know. But at the very least, I got a trip to Vancouver, and I mean, there was a pool at the hotel. Ah, yeah. <laughs> Which I is really... Tr- I took my trunks. <laughs> That's when you know you're living the dream. I, it was kind of living the dream. Opera American Conference next year, Opera Theater of St. Louis. Man, I'm tempted to go, because I can drive go. that. I'm going to go. I mean, let's, let's why don't we all go? I think we should do a let's live... Let's start a GoFundMe right I now. I think we should do a live show <laughs> from the Opera America Mar- Conference. I think that, that's a goal. We should try to that's get... That's a great goal. That's an attainable yeah. goal. Yeah. A live podcast recording. People sign up to see it. Have drinks. Have a special guest. It'd be awesome. I just... Live show. I, I think that would be the coolest thing. You know? And just have like have a little table in the lobby and people could just walk on by. We would do like an extended show, basically. Mm-hmm. Or we would broadcast, you know, one hour for four nights. 
I'd be in. Or something like that. I'm thinking road trip to buy. Make sure it's not the same night as the gay party. Oh no, you, we could <laughs> like, busy. we could let you, we could let you. Oliver, right. Seriously, Oliver, you would be brilliant yeah. at this sort of thing. And the under 40, 42 so. party. Yeah. Oh, yeah. cannot wait for the under yeah. forty two. I'll party. let you guys know how the under thirty five party <laughs> is. <laughs> but at least seventeen party. So, because <laughs> otherwise I get I get too tempted. So. <laughs> After the break, it's everything you need to know from Opera Land from the past week and our hot takes on them. It's called the Two Minute Drill. It's coming up next. Live from Chicago, you're listening to Opera Box Score. More right after this. Getting home safely is just a click away. Find the right seat for your little one's age and size. Visit safercar.gov slash the right seat for more information. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. If you served honorably in our nation's armed forces and you're looking for a way to continue serving your fellow veterans and your community, then join AMVETS. Each year, AMVETS members volunteer millions of hours at VA healthcare facilities from coast to coast, helping to improve the lives of their fellow veterans through the VA Voluntary Services Program. AMVETS posts and departments also participate in a wide variety of community service projects, ranging from Americanism in our schools to supporting the Special Olympics and Boy Scouts of America. Even if you no longer wear the uniform today, you can still serve through the AMVETS by joining today at AMVETS.org. Hey, what's up? Holla at your boy. XOXOXO. You getting these texts? Question mark. Where are you? What are you doing? OMG, you are making me mad. You better text me back. I'm waiting outside your house. Relentless, aggressive texting is like sending an angry robot to deliver your message. When does the robot become dangerous? Let us know at thatsnotcool.com. Thatsnotcool.com. Brought to you by the Ad Council. This just in, the two-minute drill. Time now for the fastest headlines in opera news. Everything you need to know from Opera Land in the past week, delivered in two minutes tops. Soprano Patricia Reset will make her debut as a stage director in May 2018 when she will direct a new production of La Traviata at the Opera Theater of St. Louis. Tenor Gregory Kunda is now in the 39th year of his career, and America has been more of a foreign country to him in the last decade. But this month, the tenor returns home for only one performance in Florida. Tomorrow, performance of Monteverdi's 1610 Vespers will celebrate the composer's 450th birthday. Julian Wachner conducts a performance in New York City. Earlier this year, the University of Connecticut's baseball team spent a night at the opera watching HMS Pinafore. And last Saturday, members of the opera program came to watch the Huskies play ball. Jennifer Block sang the Star-Spangled Banner. Heading overseas, 60 years after its premiere at the Met, Glyndebourne is planning the UK premiere of Samuel Barber's Vanessa among a wide-ranging season program. More about that in a second. Glyndebourne has also announced a 2018 singing competition with a top prize of £15,000. After the Angela Gheorghiu debacle two months ago, a second international singer has withdrawn from the Teatro Colón. That would be Marcello Alvarez, who is due to sing Andrea Chenier in December. On the disabled list, the Vienna State Opera has announced that tonight's performance of Tosca, which was to be live-streamed, featuring the aforementioned Angela Georgiou, is going to be replaced by Martina Serafin. And on this day, Oscar Hammerstein was born in 1846, and it's the premiere of The Medium by John Colomanotti at Columbia University. That's in 1946, and that's the two-minute drill. Live from Chicago, it's Opera Box Score with George, Tobias, and Oliver. That's right, we're on WNUR 89.3 FM. Number in the studio, 847-866-9687. You can also tweet us at Opera Box Score. Kind of a lighter week, I thought, for the two-minute drill. Not bad. Uh, It's it's always nice when somebody... uh, Sings the Star Spangled Banner at a show. Like, we get to hear, you know, I'm, the human voice. I'm liking the fact that we keep getting these stories of sports teams Isn't attending. Isn't it bizarre? A, yeah. I don't know if it's bizarre, but it's great. But 
well, it is bizarre because it's why is it newsworthy? I, well, I'm waiting for the IU, the Indiana University basketball team, to go to the opera at Indiana yeah. University. To me, that would be like the perfect storm of sports and opera combining. That would be really neat. I, it's going to happen. And then we'll, well. Maybe it happens so often to, that they don't even talk about it. Somebody needs to write a sports opera, a James Naismith opera. Well, Pittsburgh Opera just did this opera about the Negro baseball leagues. Did they really? Yeah. I don't know too much about it. I know there have been some, there's been like some boxing operas and whatnot, but you know. Uh, there was there was a boxing opera. I'm going to say it was called Golden Boy, but that's the Clifford Odette's play, so I'm not right. So you're wrong. What about a football opera? I was trying to think. It could be the Newt Rockney opera. Well, here's actually, no. here's a piece I when, left when, out. Go on. Uh, the Highbury Opera Theater, which is in London, has commissioned its artistic director to compose an opera based on Nick Hornby's Arsenal soccer team fan novel, Fever Pitch. Do you, um, know, do you know Nick Hornby? I, wh- he wrote I, High Fidelity. That was with uh, Drew Barrymore and... Uh, yeah, John Goodman. John Goodman. <laughs> No. <laughs> Wait, what's like it, Jimmy who, Fallon who or something it? like that was in what? it. What's his name? Jimmy George Fallon. George George name? Nick, Nick Hornby? Nick Hornby. Huh. Uh, the he, author, yeah. Like about a boy and it's all sorts of... Yeah. Fever yeah. Pitch. Fever Pitch. And now it's well, being turned great. into an opera. So there you go. There's a football. <laughs> European There's a, football. Okay, wait. I have another really bad European joke. It was about the Glyndebourne thing. <laughs> and you said the new the new prize. We're not talking about the season, but the, the singing competition prize was 15,000 pounds. And I wrote on my notepad over here, I said, it's going to be so heavy. How are you going to get it home? Oh, go away. <laughs> <laughs> Oliver, you didn't even smile at that. No, I'm, I'm realizing that we, ha- are, we were talking about like going to the Opera America convention. But just coming up in a couple of weeks is the Classical Singer Convention here in Chicago. And oh, I'm, okay. I'm looking at their schedule and like Dan Novak from the Ryan Center mm-hmm. is going to do a, a class or a audition feedback type of workshop thing um nicole cabell is gonna do one uh, you know she's a singer um will bill florescu from florentine opera is gonna do one um this guy mark stoddard is all over the place uh there's all sorts of really cool things to see uh at this convention and i feel like we where's should, the convention at we should it's at the sheridan hotel here in chicago we should try to infiltrate it and like you know uh Get the word out about I Opera can, Box Score. I can see Oliver plotting over here in the corner. Yeah, this is very exciting. You Mer- keep you keep plotting. I want to go back to the Glyndebourne season <laughs> okay. for a second. So here's the full Glyndebourne season. This is for 2018. Uh, Puccini, Madame Butterfly, Strauss, der Rosenkavalier, Handel, Giulio Cesare, Debussy, Pelias et Melisande, Handel, Saul, and then the already mentioned. Vanessa by Samuel Barber. Yeah, lots of stuff in English there. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah, and Saul is actually an oratorio, but it works really well as an opera, and it's gay. That's being directed by Barry Kosky, who's the intendant at the Komische Oper in Berlin. I would love to see that. Stefan Herheim directing the Pelias. I, I mean, I would just see that opera regardless of who was directing it. I need to see that. It's really Pelias good. It's really one that you need to cross off the list. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I have any desire. Well, I'm gonna Madonna piss off Butterfly, people, but. I can skip. Rosen Cavalier, I'm going to go to the Met HD broadcast of the new... Um, on Saturday. Yeah, on Saturday. Yeah, good. That was my good call. You ruined it. I, I didn't... Uh, what do you mean I ruined it? <laughs> you n- don't ever talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> don't talk about the future of Oliver. <laughs> oh, my um, Get with it. Yeah, um, the David McVicker, Julius Caesar is the famous one that uh, Dan Denise was in... And um, danced in. Uh, that's the white one I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. 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 So I'm curious to see who's gonna take on that role because it's it's pretty tricky to do that dance and stuff and sing it like it is. like a musical is. theater person, you know. William Christie is conducting the yes. Giulio Cesare. Yeah. That opera is really long, by the way. Yeah, that's. I didn't want to say that, but yeah. I wouldn't be well, interested in. Yeah, really if you were Al Roker, you'd fall asleep. <laughs> I love that show. I mean, I. I no, love that show. There I, are thrilling moments from yeah. Giulio Cesare, but yeah. it's a, I mean, it's just, I don't know, handle <laughs> operas long. It's like another DiCapo. No, kill me <laughs> now. <laughs> kill me now. I swear I've heard this before and it was already impressive. Yeah. Oliver, you had thrown the story about tenor 
Gregory Kunda out there. Yeah, I mean, just for, just for, that's that. just, I wanted to get, do a little dog whistle for some of our, is that right? That's not the right terminology. You definitely don't want to say <laughs> dog whistle. No, it's not what you think no, it means. I just want to like, so people know that we know about these things. Like, he's an amazing singer mm-hmm. and he's had this incredible career. And we've we're, talked about him before. On yeah, the show. and we're, we're paying attention to that. So for those of you who are fans of like, who's singing these days, props to Gregory Kunda. This is what's interesting about him is that the last time he performed in the U.S. was only last year, 2016, a Tello by mm-hmm. Verdi in Cincinnati. But prior to that, he had not done a show in the U.S. since 2007. That had been at the Met, uh, Bellini's I Portatani. Uh, that is a really long time. That, uh, uh, as I said in the two minutes drill, 10 years not to sing in your native country. Does that mean that your career is so big that you don't, need to be here or does that mean that people don't want to work with you i don't know if it's his career is so big but like that just he has better opportunities elsewhere you know yeah doesn't mean that your career is so big that you want to, wouldn't want to come he was maybe he was in exile you but know? you have to get to a certain level to work outside of the u.s circuit for 10 years well what i think what's interesting is that you work outside of the u.s circuit like you said and it's i mean there are a lot of people here who don't know who he is, and I think that's the interesting part. And it just means, yeah, he's agent, not like a household name tenor, you he's, know. Like, he's not, not here at least. Um, but he must be over there. I mean, we're not there, but he must have a good agent too. And if you have, if you find you're right, I mean, if you get in the right rhythm of having shows that line up, and you're just there, you go. And I think if your career takes you there, you go. That's what I've sure. always tried to say, you know, to trying to explain to my parents what singing is. And I don't know if I'll ever have a career, but you go where you where it takes you. And so if you get blown over to Europe for your whole life, hell yeah, do it. Or if it means you're taking off your shirt in a black box theater. <laughs> in, in the basement of some <laughs> tiny place in Chicago. You go I mean, there. You get to define success yeah. however yes. you want to in Thank this you. business. So it is the Monteverdi 450th anniversary, and we're going to get a lot of stories about Monteverdi. But uh, just to keep you, I mean, people who are in Chicago, remember that John Elliott Gardner is coming to Chicago to do the three Monteverdi operas, the Monteverdi mm-hmm. cycle. So uh, that happens in October, but it's probably going to sell out. So get your tickets soon. Is that the Harris? Yes. Yeah. I am curious about Patricia Reset mm-hmm. making her debut as a stage director. Why? Because she's a lesbian? And you don't think lesbians should direct? N- not, nothing to do with that <laughs> at all. Okay. I heard the undertones. I know. Okay. So, dog whistle. So here, here's two things that I question about this. First of all, the first opera you're going to direct is Traviata. That's not a small show. There's a lot. Yeah, of but she's been parts. in it, hasn't she? I, I think she understand has. that. But does that mean that she knows everything that goes on? Uh, well, just because you pose for a painting doesn't mean you know how to paint. Has she been in Traviata? I don't even know anymore. I don't know. It seems. I can't imagine her being that type of singer. Look it up on OperaBase.com. Yeah. I'm yeah. sure it's there. It's just that it's a big show. There's a lot of dancing. It's pr- three acts. It doesn't mean that she has to choreograph the dancing. But she's got to have a. It's not vision. a lot of dancing. It's she's like gotta have one a vision, scene. So. But I, this yeah. is where we find out, Oliver, that you and I are not directors. <laughs> When I've directed the show before. I've directed several shows, actually. What? Yeah. That, that's, yeah. that's that's a cheap shot, Toby. Yeah. He is he is yeah. a director. Oh. Oliver is a director. I'm sorry, Oliver. No, I didn't okay. know that you yeah. directed. Yeah. yeah, I was just I, the scope of directing. What I was trying to do is say that the scope of directing is huge. Uh, the number of things that you have to be on top of, Oliver. That was not me trying. I'm, hold on, I'm gonna take up. It's totally <laughs> Here we go. Tobias is crossing totally the If you take up your shirt, it's okay. And he's kissing <laughs> Oliver on the lips. No, no. It's totally fine. No, but I understand what you're saying, George, that there's a lot that goes into Where is this happening? Her... Well, that's my other question. It's the oh. Opera Theater of St. Louis. Okay. That's that's a big that's a pretty, stage. That's a big stage. I mean, that's a big, heavy-hitting but they're summer gonna opera festival. they're going to give her help. She's going to have, like, good well, of course, ADs that's like what that. You like, have, I know. She doesn't have to, like, build a set by herself and stuff like that. She's, like, back there painting. Let's <laughs> have her on and talk about it. Yeah, we should. And ask her about the challenges. Well, she's going to be here for the Minotti, uh, the console. So we'll try it. to get her on the show. And it, this is not that's until... Great. And I'll say, you know, our, our producer, George, thought you couldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I, want you to, I want you to tell us how you did it, being a lesbian. <laughs> and, I'll, and I'll say, Miss Oh, Reset. God. Because, you know, lesbians aren't handy at all. <laughs> it's, it's nothing, Miss Reset, it's nothing to do with you being a lesbian at all. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. So I'm just going to leave it. I've lost everything. I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> no will to go on. <laughs> 1946, the medium premieres at Columbia University. You know, I've done that show a couple times. Drink! <laughs> there was actually a couple of times tonight we could have done that. But. Yeah, you guys were very yeah. charitable to me yeah. tonight. <laughs> 
I don't know. Uh, Minotti, the older I get, the less interested I am in Minotti's work. Why is that? I think what, are you, what, what does it lose for you? Because I, I think there's better operas in English out there that are being written right now. I think that the music is like a B plus. Mm-hmm. And I think that as we continue to see more and more American composers, it goes back to Mark Campbell's point about could there be an opera company in this country that only produces American composers? I feel like that's more and more possible with every passing day and that there are more finely wrought dramas and more interesting musical landscapes than Manati. I think Manati's a good bridge, though, to the later 20th century works. I mean, like... He still a fair point. uses a romantic language that people relate to, like whatever, Puccini and stuff like that. But he also has some very dark moments in, in some of like in the medium or like in the console, you know, where it starts to get a little bit more, um, it feels a little more gritty and a little bit more 20th century, you know? Yeah. So I understand why people want to pro- uh, produce those works because it does represent like this mid mid century American movement towards what we now have as like i feel like the american operas are like the forebear of contemporary opera and he's a nice early example very early example but you know he's like the monteverdi of american opera he kind mm-hmm. of is and just like since monteverdi's time the theatrical language yeah. has changed theatrical technology has changed when you look at some of the Manati repertoire mm-hmm. It's very, it's like in three acts, these are well-made plays, we would call them. Like, the way we tell stories now in the theater has really changed. If you look at stuff that's like at the Prototype Mm -hmm. Festival, it's not built on the same model that Minotti was writing on. And it's just a question of, you know... Well, what what you guys, you're doing Lucrezia, which is totally, you know, even the way you staged it, you're referencing, like, Commander Delarte characters or whatever, archetypes, you know... And the story is based on a very old uh, Machiavelli. Yeah. So who's to talk about like what <laughs> what yeah, type of not, theater I, I is feel valid like these days? There's sort of an know? innate sense of theatricality in that production of Lucrezia. It's just, it's more, we're aware that the audience is there. We're mm-hmm. playing to the audience. Mm-hmm. If you look at Minotti. They're in, they're in on the joke from the beginning. Exactly. That's not the way Minotti necessarily <laughs> built his pieces. But you can interpret it in a way that fits more of a 21st century. I'm looking at a list of uh, Minotti's operas. Mm-hmm. Some of these I've never heard of. Um, and I'm, I'm curious, has anyone ever seen The Last Savage? No, uh, but I've no, heard of it. Really? No, but I've never, I've never seen it. There's just a bunch. St. Beaker Street. Yes. Yeah. Oh, Mall in the... A mall of the night visitors, yeah, my favorite. George was a mall. Yes, yes. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> hey, it's you uh, welcome to. It's time That's, to wrap this show. Uh, I just got muted. <laughs> Good call, bad call on Opera Box Score. I really shouldn't sing into the microphone. I'm sorry. You, yeah, didn't, yeah. you didn't. Well, get we get muted. an example of that at the Chicago Fringe Opera. So. Uh, well, I know I I ruined your good call. Oliver, but go ahead. So uh, this Saturday is the uh, HD broadcast of De Rosenkavalier, the fall asleep opera uh, with <laughs> Rene Fleming. Supposedly the Gunther Goisbach, whatever his name is, the, the bass who sings Ox is really good. And Alina Garancha, I think, was born to sing Octavian. And it's Rene Fleming. Come on. She's like an American hero. I'll so, be there. Yeah. Go. So go see that. And then I think the encore is on Tuesday. I have gigs on both days, so I'm not going to see it. So it's on Channel 11. So yeah. other thing I want to say is this op- this classical singer conference in Chicago. If you're coming to Chicago, hit us up. We'll we'll hook you up with some. Uh, I don't know. Do we have any swag that we can give our? We can our, get swag. We can get your back hair. <laughs> we can give you a little sample, a locket, a locket of there. Toby's back hair. It's all there. It's all there. Tobias Wright, what you got? Uh, my good call is that uh, we opened Lucrezia. That's been a fun adventure. I'm excited next week. I'm going to go see My Fair Lady at the Lyric Opera of Chicago, and I will let you guys know how that goes. That's funny. I got a bad call, which is also opening night. You know, the longer I do this, the more I hate opening nights. The show is a success. I'm super proud of everyone who's part of it. 
opening nights as a director make me really freaked out and paranoid. The press is there. In this case, the librettist was there. I just don't like them. And the more I do this business, I feel like I'm never going to go to another opening night of one of my own productions again. It's not fair to have the press there on opening night. But when you're a small company that only has four performances or two performances, you got to have the press there. So you do what you got to do. Yeah. That's it for this week's show. Our announcer is Norm Waddell. Visit Norm on the web at voxershorts.com, V-O-X-E-R-S-H-O-R-T-S.com. At WNUR, the general manager is Brock Stussy. Our theme song is Vodka Inferno, written and performed by the Diablo Swing Orchestra. On Facebook and Twitter, search for Opera Box Score. Like the page, share, love, mock our posts. On Twitter, we're at Opera Box Score. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and help promote our show by leaving a review. The creative consultant for Opera Box Score is Oliver Camacho. The co-host is Tobias Wright. I'm George Cedarquist, asking you to continue the conversation about opera, even if you're just plain exhausted. We're back next Monday at 9 Central when we're joined live in studio by Daniel Grambo. He's the artistic director of the Floating Opera Company right here in Chicago. Argo Radio is up next. This is WNUR-FM, Evanston, Chicago. Chicago Sound Experiment. Radio.